0: Spencer
1: Cobran's The Fault Truth. Triple eight six Let's see who this is. Hey, you're on the air. Who's this and where are you calling from?
2: Uh, hi, this is uh, Brendan from Connecticut. Brendan, how are you?
1: Yeah, Hello, Brendan. I'm
2: fine. How are you? I you know. Thanks uh, for all taking right. the call. You got it. Right, pretty good. Sure. Glad to get through. Uh, yeah, I just, you know, I had probably a really rudimentary question. I just sort of stumbled upon this live uh Q and A right now, and sure. I thought I'd give a call. I, I followed uh, Joel, mm-hmm. J- sorry Joe, on uh, on YouTube here for a while, but it's been a couple of years since I uh, looked into hair stuff. Uh, but I'm 38 um, or 37, about to be 38, and uh, you know, I'm mm-hmm. I think what I'd call a Norwood six at this point. Um, okay. and I just wanted to s- ask, like, what. What, what what do you think someone in, in that position at my age and at that, uh, you know, excelled uh, state of hair loss, what are my options? Like, is it worth even considering the chemicals and drugs? Is, is a hair transplant something that's going to be extraordinarily expensive to cover all of the territory I'm going to have to cover now? Or should I consider just getting like a the tip back and like the front the front line or whatever? Uh, the, any, mo- the, most part,
1: the most expensive part, the most expensive aspect of a hair transplant, in my view, especially if you have advanced hair loss, is your, the emotional uh, expense and the, the reality that yeah. you know you have a you're really limited by the amount of donor hair that you can move. So, if honestly, if money was not an option, if you are Norwood six currently at the age of what do you say you're thirty what thirty nine?
2: About thirty eight, about yeah. thirty eight.
1: It is unlikely that, well, first of all, you'll never get a full head of hair back. You can get the illusion of a full looking head of hair, depending on how many grafts Mm -hmm. and, and what your donor is like, but you will never have a full head of hair again through hair transplant surgery. So I think people need to understand that first before they even talk about, well, is it gonna be too expensive? And the downside of moving a lot of grafts that you would need could be something that in the end, no matter again, if it, if it was given to you for free, you wouldn't want that. If it goes wrong, so yeah, um,
2: that's always been my my. Fear I, I, I'd like it. to ask the I question. Was scared off in my twenties um, from you, going you, on the drugs. Oh, sorry, go sorry. Ahead, oh, so, sorry. I think I was talking over you,
0: but go go for it. That's okay. Well, I, I was I was going to ask you. Um, you know, the the first thing you asked was, being a Norwood six, is it worth, uh taking the medication or or medication in general so my question to you is is it worth not and progressing to a Norwood seven which is a lot more hair or a lot more loss than just a Norwood six so like my own case for example I I was beyond a Norwood six I I moved into like I was I was skirting the edge of Norwood Sevensville and I've been taking it for almost 20 years and still getting surgeries because the last thing I want is to lose more hair for the size to drop considerably for the crown to open up to where I got to have that much more hair just to fill in those areas that the medication might have saved, but has been saving. Like I've had very little, very minor progression over the past 20 years. um, That's only now something I can even begin to quantify. Like 10 years ago after taking it for probably eight, eight or nine years, I saw no difference. In fact, my, my crown had improved, noticeably, according to like Dr. Wong, the first thing he said when he, when he came in to see me um, during my nine-month follow-up was, "Your crown looks thicker," which was um, just the, the fringe areas at the bottom of the, of the lower half of my crown. So you know, at the very least, if it can maintain what you have, then that helps us set up the, the foundation for anything you want to do on top of that. Down the road to get what what hair that you can back, whether it be through additional um, additional medications that you want to compound on top of finasteride, um, whether it be through non non-surgical means such as a laser cap or a PRP or anything like that, and then ultimately, if you do want to have uh, the the surgical surgical option, then why why not maintain the medication or maintain what you have through the the surgical experience and and I equate that to having um, you know a, a, a tooth re- uh, replaced do you stop brushing your teeth because you've you've had a few teeth replaced it doesn't make any sense
2: no, no you don't I mean I, I would say that I got scared off from uh, uh, the drugs probably a decade ago when I was really looking into it uh, in the first place because I just saw so many testimonials that might be you know fake or might be you know just so rare but that you know because it said if they knew what they knew now then that they would never would have even started it because i, they,
1: I would say that, that you know they're, the they're real and the
2: ed and everything i would
1: say for the mo- i say mm-hmm. the the vast majority of, of of like you said testimonials or or experiences written about online all the negative stuff is real now is all of the yeah. is everything uh, you know, uh, caused by the drug, we don't know. But they took this drug. This is what happened to them, and this is the, these are the experiences that they're putting out there. So I could see how you know I I, I wrestle with it myself as far as would I have gone on the drug if in 1994 people who were taking it for benign prostate hyperplasia were writing about it, or honestly, the internet was barely in, in its existence at that point. So if I would have found something, would I have taken this drug? And if I was not, you know, if this information was provided to me and I just chose not to take this drug, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. So, you know, but I get it uh, 100%. Now, are are you saying that at this stage in your life, you are over that possibility and you're willing to take a risk?
2: I'm not sure. I guess the fact that I keep coming back to it, means i'm still certainly you know i i I don't like i would prefer to have hair i'd even prefer to have the amount of hair i had three years ago to what i have now but i think to some extent i'm at least like 60 percent settled with the idea that like i will lose the rest of my notable top hair and i will just start being fully bald on purpose or i will just deal with it as it comes you know i have a nice ginger beard i have a fairly good head shape but, you know, and I'm, I'm fairly averse to too many chemical drugs that I don't know what ultimately the effect will what
1: be. What is in. your life like now as far as, you know, just your social life and your ability to function, you know, professionally, interpersonally uh, with your hair loss uh, as it is.
2: it is? Well, in that I've never experienced, you know, the last the last 10 years and that's most relevant, has not. I've never not been balding. So I don't know what it would have been like if I had a full head of hair, but okay. I have a very active dating and sex life. I have a, you know, good career. I, I do work in the entertainment industry. So I always wonder if I would do a lot better, uh, if people, uh, you know, I just know people react to certain things visually differently. And, uh, I'm sure as active as my dating life is, it would probably be broader, uh, if I, you know, had the full head of hair again, but I know I never will. So then it's the question for me of, do I settle with that? Uh, or do I do because part of me is like, oh, God, if I chose not to take the drug when it could have really saved a good amount of hair five years ago, seven years ago, why would I start taking it now when all my fears now, about it are still there?
1: Now, are you asking uh, for permission or advice or you're asking or you or you just want answers <laughs> to your to your, I'll, I'll give it to you. If you want advice, I'll, I'll give you my just based on your story. This is yeah. this is how I what I think you, you seem to be a together person. You've you're. You're doing well in your career, apparently, and you are. You said you have an active social life and sex life. Would you be more, you know, if it's, if you're able to function, look at yourself in the mirror and just be like, okay, this isn't ideal for me, but I'm able to live my life. I'm not incredibly depressed about it. I can move on and function normally. Yeah, I would love to have more hair, but, you know, if you could recognize that, that's probably not a possibility. To me, it seems like you've won already. While you're still struggling with it to some degree, it doesn't appear like it's really affected your life. You're not a shut-in. You're able to move on with your career and be successful in life. I mean, you're one of the winners. There are people like Joe from Staten Island and others who have called this broadcast who they, they could not move on with their lives. They couldn't be in the position that you're currently in given their circumstances. So um, I, to me, if you were afraid to take any chemicals or take any medication 10 years ago, don't take it, man. There's no reason for it. And a hair transplant honestly is out of the question.
2: You know? Okay. So, not, so yeah, because that has been what I've been hanging on to is like, well, if I, you know, if I make a, a good chunk in the next year or two years or whenever, I maybe I will be able to drop 30K on that uh, if I have that kind of surplus. If you um,
1: if you, try, if you choose, choose to go that route, then you would be, in my view, it, it, it would be remiss of me not to say that you need to be on medication. So okay. it's not it's not one or the other, especially at your advanced stage of hair loss. But for anybody, you know, it hair transplant surgery essentially, and I said this I said this on this, on today's broadcast. You're just moving hair from one place on your scalp, the DHT resistant hair, hopefully, to another place, and it doesn't slow the progression or stop the progression of your hair loss. And um, you only have a finite amount of hair that could be moved. So yeah. most people who are have aggressive hair loss like you will not have a great hair transplant. Joe is an anomaly in my view, uh, <laughs> based on his his experience. You know, damn you feels Joe,
2: <laughs> giving us false hope.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but just the fact that he had ten surgeries. No. And minor surgeries. Yeah, so, you know. I
2: don't think of it that way. I think of it as like one or two at most, and then I'm done. And I I don't plan on this being like an ongoing surgical life.
0: Once you start, man, that's it. Well, yeah, but but the only yeah. reason I'm I'm a I became a surgical junkie is simply because my my desk was thirty feet away from the from the OR right, and and yeah. it just became like this thing. It's like, hey, uh, patient canceled for today, um, Joe. You want to? Yeah, let's get in here. Let's, let's revise that donor scar. It's a little too wide for my liking. I'm like. Uh, for your liking. <laughs> what about mine? Okay, fuck it. Let's do it. So, you know, it wasn't like if I did if, if I didn't work in the clinic, uh, I probably would have had two, maybe three, um, and that would be it because it wasn't it, it wasn't as convenient. Uh, and that's what it comes down to. It was convenient, not to mention free. Um, so oh, that I didn't. I, know I wouldn't that
2: be, story. That's a huge part. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a huge part. Like, like, look, I mean, when you think about it, when you look at my history, um, which you can see on HairTransplantMentor.com. Joe Tillman um, got hair the, transplants the, for free. Sorry. I know. I, I, I was waiting for that. <laughs> I, I was... I was. Um, my biggest night and day difference was the first surgery, the first repair, um, because the the ant legs that were sticking out of my forehead at the time were, were really well camouflaged. It wasn't perfect, um, but back then it'd be difficult to, to, to tell that I had a hair transplant. Today, people can pick it out a little bit easier. But then my second surgery was to add density to the front and then to to tap the crown a little bit and then to, to establish temple points, which I didn't have. And after that second surgery, I had 4,825 grafts just from Dr. Wong and two surgeries. After already having two donor scars and two bad previous surgeries, I could have been done at that time because I was covered front to back. Um, but it's because I worked at the clinic. It's because the, the OR was 30 feet away from my desk. Um, because the third one, the third surgery I had with him was because the ISHRS conference is gonna be in Vancouver. And he's like, yeah, let's, let's get you in the best shape possible because you're gonna be a display patient, let's do this. I'm like, okay. So that's why I had the third one. The fourth one was to do a scar revision and, uh, of course, you always get some grasp with that. The fifth one was, um, yeah, the uh, two strips on the side. And then... This guy's like, I don't want to have some fucking hull uh, history, yeah. dude. <laughs> well, you fucking getting it. <laughs> well, let me, but, um, d- does the... Yeah, does so the so that's the, the only reason from, why I had so many surgeries.
2: The hair you get the, the strips from, like, you know, below that, the, 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 the hair below the line, like the hair that grows... Uh, more consistently. I don't know what you call it be- below the crown, that whole strip where you would pull hair from. Does that thin mm-hmm. over time if you have the kind of hair loss I do or no. does that stay fairly thick forever?
0: No. No, it's it's um it, it's it's maintained its average rating uh since day 1. Now he's asking and he's this asking this where Dr. Wong calls me a, a mutant. He's asking so on, yeah, about himself. Himself.
2: I Joe. Joe. I meant, Yeah, I feel like what might I
0: expect oh, uh, uh, on himself? <laughs> I I'm not. I've seen that in in very few cases, and I, I don't. It, the the common the, the common thing that FUE practitioners will say is that if you go in for multiple strips, then because you're pulling, uh, you're pulling the skin, you're you're going to be thinning out the the areas above the donor incision, and that it kind of makes sense. But when you like if, if you're if, if you're pulling a balloon apart. With a bunch of little dots on it, yeah, those dots become further apart. But what that doesn't take into account is biology. And when you are constantly pulling on, on skin tissue, it relaxes and actually comes back closer to w- the state that it was in before you started to stretch it. Maybe, I'm a, little fu- new, maybe new I'm a little fucked being, up here. Maybe, maybe I don't know what's happening, but I'm pretty sure, and correct me if I'm
1: wrong, caller. Caller, you're concerned about whether or not that hair will thin out through androgenic alopecia, right?
2: Uh, yeah. Like, if it, regardless of whether I do anything oh. to replace the hair I've lost, like if that hair will, I completely also flaked go. on
0: that. My apologies. I thought you were asking if the donor area thins with multiple strips. I'm thinking, like, am my I in my mind? Because that's not what well, this guy well, just d- asked. Well, you are. Okay. Yeah, so, so, I, I, sorry.
1: I, I, can can your you? Your
2: answer was also interesting. <laughs> yeah, I would
1: say. I would <laughs> say. I would say here, I here's guess. my response. The answer is yes. That <laughs> yeah, was a good hardcore. Yeah. The answer is yes. There you yes. go. Yeah, hair, to answer your question, yes. Your donor hair, the hair that's, uh, that's being used for your hair transplant can eventually thin and miniaturize. Okay. If you look at older, older men who have aggressive hair loss, you will normally see that the donor area is thin. And in some cases, it gets so thin, you're just like, holy cow. Like, if, doing what I do, I like, if this guy would have chosen to have a hair transplant when he was 30, he'd be
0: screwed.
2: Yeah, which is exactly my fear um, and why I probably will to do this. And so also, like, um, and feel free to stop me whenever I've taken up too much time, but I, I've noticed you guys let calls go on a bit. So oh,
1: everyone every except question. for you. we got to go. I'm just kidding.
2: Yeah. <laughs> is there value to using, like, one of, you know, the minoxidil foam or whatever on the hair that I have, or does that only work in, in complement with an internal drug?
1: I think for the long term... There probably isn't any value and it's gonna be more difficult for you to utilize. Um, if you're going to take medication, in my view, especially to, to maintain what you have long-term and possibly uh, strengthen your donor area for a future hair transplant, then I would say most experts would say you need to be on Finasteride or do tasteride. I'm not a doctor. Um, but trying to apply that stuff to your head every day in hopes and just wondering whether or not you're gonna keep that fringe or keep the donor hair strong for a future hair transplant, I don't think it's a reasonable plan and it probably wouldn't last more than a few years if it did work. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Bald Truth. You know, the broadcast streams live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern and 10 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time. If you'd like to watch the show or see us in studio, call us live, ask any questions. If you have any concerns, if you just want to vent, you can check us out on Joe Tillman's YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash hair transplant mentor, or you can watch and listen to us live on theballtruth.com.